This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a weekly show where we learn what it means to rise above the human condition. We hope the conversation today is just what you need for the week ahead. All right, everybody, we are back. This is the Transcend Human Podcast. Great to have you with us. It is May 30th, right here at the end of May. Uh, like I said, welcome back to the podcast. We are in the middle of a um, a short little series called Transcending Woke. Um, for the past, I don't know, two, three months to a year, <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know. Time flies so fast these days. Uh, but when I look back, the concept of being woke just stands out kind of as this new cultural phenomenon, right? It's it's thrown around by people to express express like who they are and what they believe. And then it's used as, you know, slang to cut somebody down from the other side. And it's just out there all the time. And so I thought, well, it'd be cool to do a series on what it means to be woke. So that's what we're doing. Um, we did one last week. So if you're wanting to go back to the beginning and start that over, uh, feel free to do that. Otherwise, this is part two of Transcending Woke. All right, let's dive right into our minute of transparency. I'm going to call this one Nothing Figured Out. So last week, I talked a little bit about times in my life when I thought I had it all figured out, right? And how wrong that was, how wrong I was. Uh, so this week, I thought I'd take it a step further and say that there are times these days when I feel like I have absolutely nothing figured out. Feel that way ever once in a while, especially since March of 2020, when everything changed. Uh, if you're like me, you're starting to realize that there's more to figure out than what you have figured out. Let me say that again. We're starting to realize that there may be more to figure out than what we have figured out. Because even the most basic things, right, things that we thought were on lock are now up for grabs. They're just thrown up into the air to see where the wind takes them. And it's in times like these when the super Christians come out and say things like, oh, just hold on to your faith. At least we know our final destination is sure. Uh, if everything else crumbles, God will stand firm, etc., etc., etc. And I mean, I believe that on some level except that there are times when that doesn't really feel all that figured out to me. Um, after being thrown away by the church on some level, um, you know, there are, there are times when I just don't feel that, right? There's, uh, there are times when that spiritual foundation that I was standing on feels a bit precarious. So I need to go back to the beginning and ask myself sometimes, what do you believe in, right? If there wasn't a church on the face of the planet, what would you believe? I mean, I can tell you with absolute certainty that I believe in God. Let's just start there, right? I believe that there is a God. I believe he created us. I believe he loves us. I believe he came to earth uh, to make a way out of this craziness that exists. And I believe that someday he'll return and set everything straight. But everything else is like a bowl of spaghetti right now. You just throw it against the wall and see what sticks. So if that's you, welcome to the party. Um, we're all in this together, and let's navigate it. Okay, so 
Like everyone else in the world, probably, I've been watching the Hulu original called Under the Banner of Heaven. Uh, it's the true crime miniseries about a detective investigating murders on a, in a Mormon community um, in Utah. And as I watch, it's very easy to view Mormonism as a cult, right? The people seemed brainwashed. They act like robots. They basically choose not to ask good questions. Instead, you just simply act on historical information. And, you know, even though there's conflicting direction from the line of men known as prophets, you just do what they say. So this, along with the, you know, the patriarchal, patriarchal dominance and the resurgence of polygamy, and you can't help but feel badly for the people that are caught up in it. Add to this the fact that my TikTok feed has become saturated with exmos, as they call themselves, or ex-Mormons discussing the crazy stuff that they went through in life and why they chose to leave the church. And it's pretty easy for us to see through the smokescreen. But here's the crazy thing. At the end of the day, wouldn't people outside of our faith tradition view us the same way? As people who get their beliefs from a dusty old book, people who discount science often in favor of handed down beliefs and traditions, uh, people who can be very rigid and believe that it's their way or the highway, uh, people who don't even practice the love that they preach about, people who follow their pastors around and hang on every word they say, even pastors who do terrible things and seem to get away with it. I mean, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? And that's what I'm talking about. That's my struggle lately, finding balance between my core beliefs and the craziness of the church, right? So the balance between faith and religion on some level, because our religion is on the brink of a disaster, right? It's getting dark. It's getting a little sinister, if I'm being honest. You know, the far, far right is demanding to be the spokesperson for Christianity, as if they hold the truth and Christians who aren't on board with their rhetoric aren't actual Christians. Interestingly enough, this is often where the term woke is used. People on the far right have started referring to anyone who opposes their platform as woke. And it's not a term of endearment, to be sure. So that's one reason why I'm doing this series, to discuss the new normal, the polarization that's taking place even within Christianity. So today's topic, Transcending Woke, Part 2. And today we're just discussing two things. We're discussing this thing called The Awakening, and the second is Spiral Dynamics. Number one, The Awakening. So one of the reasons I turned one episode into three is because my desire to talk about the woke culture concept didn't stop at just being woke. As I started down that path, I realized it was like finding a thread sticking out of one of those loose-knit sweaters, right? You give it a little tug and more comes out. And if you keep pulling, keep, more comes out. And eventually the sweater begins to unravel right in front of your eyes. And so it is with the woke culture. It isn't one definable concept that we can talk about and wrap up in a nice little bow. There are layers upon layers like an onion, Concepts that just overlap, concepts that are called different things, but they almost all overlap or mean similar things. So I picked a few of them and decided to talk about those in this series. So here's the quick list exponential change, the woke culture, the awakening, spiral dynamics, and deconstruction. And, spoiler alert, my hypothesis is that all of these overlap on some level and they influence each, each other back and forth to a large degree. 
So last week we talked about exponential change, right? The exponential change I feel like I've been through and I'm by no means special. Don't get me wrong. In fact, I am assuming that my story is a bedtime story compared to some of the things that other people have gone through in the last two years. Then from there, we discussed the woke culture, how there is a worldly and often political version of the word, right? Suggesting that a woke person is a Democrat or ultra liberal or hyper-focused on things like climate change and the environment and social justice issues, things like that. However, as is often the case, a bad thing is only the distorted version of something good. And so I suggested that there's probably a spiritual side to being woke, a side that does not require you move from one extreme to the other, a side that doesn't require that you stop having conservative beliefs. Being spiritually woke includes the following, a willingness to engage in transparent self-assessment, a willingness to look a bit deeper for more absolute truth, a willingness to grow, even if that means letting go of some of the things that we were taught in the past, and a willingness to let us love each other, to let love drive us instead of some of the strongly held religious or political beliefs and convictions that we grew up with. Essentially, all of the things that we talked about on this podcast, right, including our official transcend human values. What are they? Truth, transparency, growth, and love. So essentially, if we're woke spiritually, we've assessed our worldviews and we found them wanting, right? We've recognized that there's more to life, right? There's things of greater value. Being woke in this context means transcending human. It means rising above the human condition in areas where we see room for growth, determining the right thing to do in a situation, and choosing that over a dusty alternative. So today we dive into two new concepts, the awakening and spiral dynamics, starting with the awakening. So this is going to be a little abstract because this whole idea of an awakening isn't a black and white thing. It's not an event. It's not a movement that's going on with really defined parameters and expectations. The concept of an awakening can be abstracted to mean whatever you want it to mean. And people will use it in a variety of different ways to mean a variety of different things. So why are we talking about it then? Well, the simple answer is this. It's popular. It's part of the culture right now, and therefore it's worth addressing, especially because there is so much overlap with this whole concept of being woke. Now, when I did a Google search for the phrase, the awakening, um, I was literally slammed with results related to a book by Kate Chopin and a horror movie with the same name. Not altogether unexpected, right? As these are two things that can be purchased or sold. So those often take precedence in search results. And if they've been out for quite a while, you know, they have time to build up over time in, in SEO. But as I click, you know, further in page after page after page into the results, nothing really changed. I never really found a search result about the awakening being a cultural thing or an event or something that we should be looking for. However, if you move away from traditional Google search and web stuff, and you move towards social media, all of that changes. Facebook lists numerous public and private groups with The Awakening in the title. Search Awakening on Instagram, and the results go on and on forever. And then there's TikTok, which is jam-packed with posts 
um, hashtagged with variations of the word awakening. Like I said, it's the wild, wild west in terms of what people mean and what, you know, when they use the term and what they're actually referring to. But after seeing my fair share of posts about the awakening, I believe that there are some fairly large categories that we can clump this information into. So let's walk through four of them that I've I've seen a lot lately. Number one, let's just call this category science, technology, and AI. So people in this bucket are people who have developed theories based on science, right? Beliefs that as we become more and more advanced, we close the gap between human consciousness and artificial intelligence. The suggestion is that at some point we evolve to another level, either medically through medical breakthroughs or combining AI with our organic bodies, somehow uploading our consciousness into an electronic format capable of extending our life. So the awakening to people like this is a move from our organic bodies that will eventually fall apart to more of a AI or electronic version. Number two, telepathy. So on social media, you see the word empath used a lot. Um, you know, they'll hashtag posts as awakening or the awakening, and there's usually empath as another hashtag. So the suggestion is that some of us have opened our minds to the point where we're able to tune in to frequencies, right? The frequencies of the universe. We've tapped into other dimensions, possibly spiritual, but not necessarily. And this new understanding allows us to see the future, read people's minds maybe, or learn important things by simply touching an inanimate object, stuff like that. So that's more awakening based on telepathy. Uh, number three, conspiracy theories. Obviously, there are billions of these out there. So think UFO, think flat earth, think aliens landing on earth. Uh, and all of the future implications of those beliefs. So for these people, the awakening could mean a number of things. Uh, it could mean coming to the awareness that this theory is true. It could be finding proof that one or more of these theories is correct. Or it could mean being abducted by aliens and thereby transitioning into a higher state of being based on the alien life or technology. All conspiracy theories. And those are just a few, by the way. Next is spirituality. So within spirituality, there is a whole continuum of beliefs, right? Everything from what a Buddhist believes on enlightenment to maybe what a Christian believes about the afterlife or heaven, and there's everything in between. So in this category, the awakening can refer to some change in a person's life, taking them from one worldview to another. Or maybe it could refer to like the final transition. In the case of Christianity, you know, the, the transition of death and then what happens after death. Um, but whatever the case, the awakening is spiritual in nature. It's typically part of a long-standing religious tradition. Now, there may be more than those four categories, but these are just a few of the big ones that I wanted to mention because, um, you know, these four make up the bulk of the posts that I see on social media right now. And within each of these, you find a similar vibe, right? This idea that, you know, there's, there's like this undercurrent of or cultural rumbling that suggests that the world is not what it seems, that there's something more. Uh, there's usually a discussion about some change that is coming in the future. 
Uh, there's often the suggestion that only a small percentage of the population get it or understand it. The larger percentage is often said to be sleeping because they just don't understand. Uh, and the belief is that the world is on this trajectory with destiny, if you will, and that at some point very soon, you come to a fork in the road, an intersection, if you will, and some people will be awakened and transcend to the next level, and others will be somehow left in the dust. Whether this is you know, left in ignorance or whether this is left because they die, I don't know. It could be both and. I don't know. But again, these are some of the typical belief systems or beliefs that people have when they're thinking through this concept of the awakening. Now, all that said, is this whole concept about the awakening new? Is it a recent trend, a phenomenon that only exists based on our place in time? Well, I guess that depends on our definition of awakening. But if we look back in time, we see numerous awakenings on two levels on a personal level and on a cultural level. And I believe that the four categories we just walked through aren't new at all, right? They're not, we may see more of it because of social media, because it's in our face all day long. But I believe that these four categories have been there for a really long time. And they're not necessarily tied to this generation. Why? Because I believe people have always looked for meaning. People have always been on a quest to better themselves. And I believe people have always looked to science or telepathy or celestial elements, like right? the, the planets, the stars, um, conspiracies, and spirituality on some level in order to figure out the path to that next level or that next phase. As a Christian, I obviously use the Bible to help explain things like this, right? And when I look through it, sure enough, you find this behavior has been around since the dawn of time. The Bible describes that God handed down information to his people, and he asked that they continue to teach it to their children. At the same time, there were groups of people who believed in different gods, and they believed in different paths to enlightenment. So there are verses in the Bible that describe things like child sacrifice, divination, fortune-telling, omen interpretation, sorcery, charmers, mediums, necromancers. Now, if you dig deeper into these practices, you find that they all take root in the same things that we see today, right? There were things that came out of the science of the day. There were things that required a version of telepathy in order to believe. There were practices based on conspiracy theories, and there were practices created in the hopes of becoming more spiritual or transcending to a different level. And then there were major awakenings throughout time where entire countries or societies had an awakening and they moved to a whole new level of understanding, right? Think about things like the Age of Enlightenment, the Industrial Revolution, and uh, even, even in the Christian world, as the, as the Christian movement um, exploded in the West, there were these periods of time that were referred to as the Great Awakenings, where um, people were learning new information and they were expanding their knowledge, um, which led to a whole different way of, of living life. Or think even more recently um, with our ability to go to space or to see even further into the universe with telescopes, right? Or think about the communication revolution with the rise of the internet and now social media. You can look at all of those things as awakenings in and of themselves. Or you could look at it this way, that these huge advancements 
made it possible for smaller awakenings to occur. Based on these new scientific understandings, or based on conspiracy theories that developed because of those new understandings, at any rate, people latched onto these ideas and they ran with them, reporting that if you could understand what they were trying to figure out, uh, you would become part of this awakening that would just change everything. You know, all we have to do is look around and we can see how this plays out. Look at all of the different religious beliefs, the cults, cult leaders, conspiracy theory groups based on UFO sightings or the fears of AI taking over. It's all around us and it has been this way since the dawn of time. Let's just pick on one civilization, um, the ancient Aztecs, right? They believed in human sacrifice, cannibalism, you know, things that we view as very barbaric today. And yet these practices all came out of some form of awakening that an Aztec leader had. The practices were part of a spiritual and a cultural belief system um, in celestial power that they didn't fully understand. And for the most part, these practices were completed in fear fear of retribution, that if they failed to do these things or if they completely stopped these rituals, then the sun might stop shining, their crops might fail, right? And that's just one small little example from history. Number two, spiral dynamics. So this is something that we've talked about before on the podcast. And if you're you're interested in previous uh, episodes where we really dove into it, there's three um, that you can probably go back and look at. Um, starting way back at the beginning, um, episode 42 was called Transcending Life Stages. So there's that one. Uh, episode 58 called Transcending Spiritual Stages. We talked about it there as well. And then even in episode 108 called Transcending Meaning, uh, we touched on spiral dynamics a little bit in that as well. So why is this important, you ask? Well, at some point in my prep for this series on what it means to be woke, I realized that I had to talk about spiral dynamics because the overlap is undeniable to me. Now, I don't want to spend all day here, but I do believe that it is vital that we see things from multiple angles, from different viewpoints. And spiral dynamics is an angle that might just blow your mind if you have the time to dig into it just a little bit. So let me oversimplify for us so that we can jump right in. I'm literally going to read an opening paragraph from Wikipedia just to help summarize. So here we go. Spiral dynamics is a model of evolutionary development of individuals, organizations, and societies. It was initially developed by Don Edward Beck and Christopher Cowan based on other theories, which we don't have time to go into. Um, and then a later collaboration between Beck and Ken Wilbur produced Spiral Dynamics Integral, or SDI. Now, several variations of spiral dynamics continue to exist, uh, both independently and incorporated into or drawing on Wilbur's integral theory. In addition to influencing the field of psychology in the form of both integral theory and metamodernism, spiral dynamics is noted for its applications in management theory, business ethics, and as an example of applied memetics. Now, here's the important part. Spiral dynamics describes how value systems and worldviews emerge from the interaction of two things, life conditions and our mind's capacities. The emphasis on life conditions as essential to the progression through value systems is unusual 
among similar theories and leads to a view that no level is inherently positive or negative, but rather is a response to the local environment. Through these value systems, groups and cultural structures and societies and individuals are all integrated within them. Each distinct set of values is developed as a response to solving the problems of the previous system. Changes between states may occur incrementally, which is called first-order change, or in a sudden breakthrough, which is called a second-order change. And the value systems develop in a specific order. And most important question when and the most important question when considering the value system being expressed in a particular behavior is why the behavior occurs. Now, there's your summary. But if you're like me, that was way too much, and my eyes are already glassing over. The words stop making sense, and I realize a few minutes later that I don't have a clue what I just read. So let's try to dumb it down even further. As a clinician, I was taught to see human behavior through certain lenses. So we were taught about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, for example. Then we learned, learned about the stages of development from Piaget. Then we had the stages of psychosocial development from Erickson. And then Kohlberg came along and followed that up with the stages of moral development. Now, I'm not going to talk about each of these, you know, in detail, but each one describes these stages or these phases that we go through as human beings throughout our lives. And they were meant to help explain human thought and behavior, and at the same time, help create a picture of what a normal person is. Now, obviously, um, once these norms were put in place, the theory also helped point out people who fell outside the norms, people with delayed or missing or inappropriate or unacceptable thoughts or behaviors. Obviously, this helped lay the foundation for the psychology revolution, and it also helped out <laughs> as we built a list of diagnoses, right, that we have today, certifiable mental health issues that people struggle with, issues that we can determine because we now have documented criteria. We can check off some boxes and say, yes, you are depressed. Yes, you are addicted to alcohol. Very obvious because of the documented criteria that we came up with. That's a whole different topic. We can get on some other time, but that's where all of this came from. So this helped lay the foundation of the psychology revolution, right? So where does spiral dynamics fit in? Well, I'm definitely not an expert on the subject, but from my brief time researching the theory, the timeline looks like this. So Piaget and friends did a lot of their work and developed their theories back in the early 1900s. Then Claire Graves began work on the initial elements of spiral dynamics back in the 1950s. Then there was like this back and forth that went on on the different directions they should go with the theory. And finally, in the early 2000s, Ken Wilber and Don Beck were able to put aside some differences and agree long enough to pull their ideas into one. This was called spiral dynamics or spiral dynamics integral. So obviously this isn't a theory that just gets clumped in with the others as kind of like one other explanation, right? Spiral dynamics is much more modern. It's a more modern take on things and it doesn't really feel like it plays in the sandbox with the other theories. Instead, it attempts to incorporate the other theories to become a higher level theory, one that can literally be all inclusive to the human experience. Now, that's a lot to bite off. And because of that, I'm sure there are many people who would, you know, 
look at spiral dynamics and poke holes in the theory. And that's, that's fine, right? That's going to happen. But at the same time, I have to admit that it does a pretty good job. And I feel like it makes a pretty good name for itself. But what does spiral dynamics have to do with being woke? Well, I'm getting there. Just hold on, right? I, I had to go through that short history lesson first so you would understand kind of where it came from and, and why it's important. Now, to kick things off, because spiral dynamics is so massive and so complex in its description, um, I created a simple little worksheet that I could use with my family if they ever asked me what the heck it was. Um, and just to keep things moving forward quickly in this episode, I'm going to use it to kind of explain the basics. So if you're interested in the PDF, um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes so that you can grab it. But let's dive in. In the Wikipedia paragraphs, there were two very important pieces of information. The first is that spiral dynamics is the evolutionary development of individuals, organizations, and societies. And the second statement was that spiral dynamics describes how value systems and worldviews emerge from the interaction of life conditions and our mind's capacities. So I wanted to touch on both of those because they're, they're kind of the, I don't know, the secret sauce or the, the DNA behind spiral dynamics. So back to number one, the evolutionary development of individuals, organizations, and societies. And the reason I think this is important is because spiral dynamics isn't just explaining like one person's evolution from birth to death. Right? It's, it's not just about you as a person. Spiral dynamics is describing how a person changes, how organizations can change, and how entire societies or countries can change. Um, and, and the fact that each of them has this progression through these different stages or what they call spirals is just incredible. So that's number one. Number two um, is this whole concept of life conditions and our mind's capacity. And we'll talk a little bit more that, about that later. But it, it's really describing that as we go through life, based on our environment or based on the life conditions we're under, coupled with our brain's capacity to understand that life condition, um, that helps to put us in a specific spiral or a specific level. Again, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but keeping that in mind, the theory suggests that there are what we, we call levels, phases, or spirals, and each spiral is a color. And that color basically describes a level of evolutionary growth within our human development. So these spirals are split into two sections called tiers. There's tier one consciousness and tier two consciousness. Tier one consciousness um, is said to be based on a scarcity mindset. So it's more focused on the immediate needs for me, for you, for other people. Tier two consciousness is based on an abundance mindset, a more cognitive or brain-based mindset, if you will, right? So it's, it's more focused on the big picture, the continuity or the continuation of our species, so to speak. So with that said, let's walk through the spirals. So within the first tier consciousness, you have six colors. The first is beige, 
and beige is known as the archaic or the survival um, spiral. So this, you know, as a as an individual, this is early infancy. It's our most basic needs for shelter, safety, food, water, etc. It's very material. It's very tangible. Next is purple. Purple is the spiral of magic or security. So when, when an individual reaches this stage, it's recognizing that basic needs and survival are based on supernatural forces, forces outside of our control. So during this phase, you see things like the development of gods, um, like the rain god that must be prayed to or that sacrifices need to be made in order to be in good standing with this supernatural force. So it's not material, it's immaterial, it's intangible. Things like angels, demons, curses, voodoo, uh, things like that. Which suggests the need for people like shaman, witch doctors, palm readers, astrologists, etc. to help you deal with this new thing that you don't understand. Next on the spiral is red which is the spiral of power or energy. So now this switches over to more of a me focus, an individualistic, impulsive focus, taking the power for yourself. The strongest takes control, right? Survival of the fittest. So enter things like kings and dictators, often leading a group of people still in the purple culture. But now because of this new understanding of power and control, somebody steps in to take over. That's red. Next, you have blue, which blue incorporates tradition, beliefs, and order. So you move, instead of it just being all about me and me individualistically, impulsively me, it becomes we, us, for each other. Um, The concept of restraint, creating a tradition or a traditional culture all based on a shared story. So the Roman Empire was was an early example of this, where it was organized around a governmental structure. The, The blue concept can also be seen in things like the military, in sports, and in religion, right? Who has the power in these situations? Government leaders, religious leaders, et cetera. People who understand and can interpret the story for the rest of the people. Next is the spiral of orange. Orange is the modern or the success spiral, all based on scientific thinking. So rigorous examination of the truth and facts, um, rather than leaning on the older beliefs that we had in the blue spiral. So the use of capitalism to either be helpful or to game the system. Uh, things like mega churches, right? Taking the power of the truth found in the blue stage, but blowing it up using data and new ways of making something successful, using logic and pragmatism to help make decisions versus just handed down traditions. That's orange. Next, you have green, which is known as pluralism or the community spiral. So think back to the 1960s um, and understanding that there are other cultures and that they are important, social justice, sensitivity, compassion, um, celebration of diversity, the environmental movement, animal rights, um, an explosion of truth and acceptance of all. However, along with this also came the possibility for things like the cancel culture. So this idea that you need to remove the voices that don't resonate with the, the cultural majority. 
Okay, next up is the second tier consciousness, tier two. And in this, you have two colors, yellow and turquoise. Starting with yellow, which is called the integral or the synergy spiral. So there is constant conflict in first tier consciousness, right? There's, you know, when you are, when you have people dealing with red and blue and orange and green, all of those differences create like this constant conflict. Um, you, you typically look forward with fear and you look back with disdain. So if I'm in the um, blue stage, for example, I look forward at those who believe in things like science, the orange level, and I view them with fear because I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. But then I look backward to the red stage or to the, um, you know, even the purple stage. And I have disdain for that because I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, that was so long ago. I don't, I don't resonate with that any longer because I'm at this higher level of consciousness. So that all goes on in first tier consciousness. But in second tier consciousness, that's not the case. So somebody who reaches the yellow uh, spiral understands that they have all of the colors within themselves, right? And, and you can view other people the same way. And you can choose to meet people right where they are. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about center of gravity and what that means in a minute. Um, but the yellow may have spent time as a conservative. Um, they have may have been liberal, but eventually they, they come to see the importance of both, right? You start to feel like you don't belong in the polarized conversations going on these days because you see the positive that comes out of each of those stages. That's integral. And then the final is turquoise, which is is referred to as the whole view or the holistic spiral. This is so high level that you're you're not even dealing with small little issues going on in the world because you're not viewing the world in terms of people. You you're basically looking at the world as one giant living organism. And because of that, you start to view how everyone is interconnected, not just people interconnected, but animals, the environment, the, the water, the sea, the ocean, the land, the sky, the ozone layer, everything is interconnected. And that if we start getting out of balance, that these things will start to see problems, right? So, so it's just a, a feed off the ground kind of approach where you're really focused on this concept of universality, of interconnection between all living things. And that if we don't figure out a way to find balance, everything is going to get thrown off. Now, those are the colors, but some important things to understand about the colors. So these spirals apply to more than one thing, like we talked about before. These spirals can be personal. They can apply to us as individuals as we work through them ourselves. Uh, they can apply to an organization. So a company or an organization can actually find themselves working through the spirals. And then entire societies or countries can work through the spirals. So like when we look at the world around us, there are countries that are highly blue and there are countries that are highly orange and countries that are still kind of in the purple stage. But you can see how this plays out in individuals, organizations, and in countries. Okay. The next interesting piece of information is what it takes for an individual organization or country 
to move from one spiral to the next. So from the stuff that I've read, it sounds like it takes about 10% of an organization or a country leaning toward the next spiral in order for growth to occur in that direction. So basically what that would look like, let's say in America, it would take 10% of the population really, really, really pushing for the beliefs, the values, the, the understanding of the next spiral in order for our entire country to kind of move in that direction. And though I don't think I've specifically read this anywhere, it would be interesting to know if that um, works for individuals as well. So does it mean that if an individual is spending more than 10% of their time contemplating uh, the next level of consciousness, then is that what it takes to move to that next level? Would be interesting to know. Anyway, let's move to center of gravity. So the whole concept of center of gravity is that the world is made up of people, organizations, and countries in every stage. And each of those has what's called a center of gravity. And basically, that just means it's where we're currently functioning. It's where we feel the most comfortable. It's the default, if you will. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't pull for from other spirals. It just means we're more comfortable in the one that we're in. However, that means two things are true. First, you can pull from the spirals below you because you already understand them. You've already experienced them. It's where you've been before. But the opposite is not true, right? You can't pull from the spirals above you if you haven't been there because you don't understand them. You don't, you haven't experienced them enough to where you understand how they can be used. So that's center of gravity and how it impacts us. Now, back to the question, what does this have to do with being woke? Well, some of you have probably already figured that out. You're probably way ahead of me. Uh, as I read through the different colors or spirals, you probably recognized one or two of them that sounded familiar, right? Spirals whose descriptions seem to describe people who we refer to as woke. And I would agree, 100%. I would argue that people who are green or above typically fall into the category of being woke. So here's why I say that, starting with green. So green is highly focused on community people, human rights, diversity, social justice, and starting to understand that people are more important than both religious beliefs and scientific findings. Then in yellow, right, the synergistic view of the world, understanding that we are all on different spirals and that all spirals are important. The ability to see each spiral within ourselves and access each one appropriately. And then finally, turquoise. So fully embracing a holistic worldview, believing that we are all elements of a higher system, viewing the world and our species above everything else, understanding that because we're all connected, we need to work to achieve harmony and balance. Again, sound familiar? Would people in these spirals be considered woke to you? It sounds right to me. Now, before we go any further, and I alienate some of the more conservative listeners to the podcast, um, let me be very clear. Spiral dynamics is not a Christian theory, right? Claire Graves, Don Beck, Ken Wilbur, I don't believe any of these guys declared a religious affiliation, at least nowhere that I could find, 
right? These are psychologists. These are people who are trying to explain the human condition in terms that make sense to them based on their research, based on science. So don't hear me saying that spiral dynamics should be viewed (laughs) along with the Bible as a source of truth for a Christian, right? In fact, spiral dynamics can get even more out there the longer you look into it. Uh, One article I read suggested that there may be future tiers added, right? Each of them with multiple spirals inside of them. Um, It suggested that just as tier one has six spirals, there's no reason why tier two couldn't eventually have six spirals and then a third tier be added down the road. So when I read all of this, I took it to mean that they believe that the human, the human race can literally evolve into completely different states of consciousness. So for example, what if eventually we were able to upload our minds into a computer just before we died, and then we lived on in that form? Eventually, every living thing would die, right? All life would cease to exist in the world, except in the virtual world, electronically. Now, I know that's very out there, very sci-fi twist on our future, but think about it. In this scenario, maybe that's what they're referring to as tier three consciousness, right? Within this new electronic state of existence, maybe there would be six spirals within that. I don't know, but I digress. I find spiral dynamics fascinating, but as a Christian, I also know that the theory needs to be run through the lens or the filter of the Bible, which means I'll have a lot to say about the turquoise level and anything that comes thereafter. But not today, right? We'll save that for next week. For this week, let's land the plane. So this week we discussed two very large abstract concepts, right? We talked about the awakening and we talked about spiral dynamics. So here are a few simple questions to ask yourself this week in prep for the next episode. First, have you ever felt like you've experienced an awakening of some sort? If so, what new information or what new worldview were you confronted with? And did it impact your life in a big way? How do you know, right? Well, maybe you started doing something new, or maybe you stopped doing something that you used to do. But do you see that in your life? Number two, As we read through the colors of the spiral dynamics, where did you find yourself landing? What felt the most comfortable to you? Do you view that as your center of gravity? Like what color is your center of gravity? And do you feel a pull toward the next color? If so, how do you know? What does that look like for you? What would it look like to move from the color you're in to the next color? All right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for sticking this one out. It was a bit long and it was a bit technical at times, a bit abstract. Um, But hopefully you can see how all of these things are interconnected. I am absolutely loving this series and I can't wait to wrap it up next week. Part three of Transcending Woke. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about spiral dynamics and I'm going to hopefully put a Christian spin on it, right? So that... As a Christian, you can take full advantage of the theory and understand what it's saying. But then we're also going to touch a bit on the whole process of deconstruction and and how it has actually become a major element in what it means to be woke, right? Until then, 
Have a great week, everyone. Stay woke, (laughs) if that sounds good to you. And as always, keep transcending humans. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. If you're interested in the show notes for this episode, head on over to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the episode you're looking for. On the website, you'll also find blog posts, podcast series, and other helpful resources to help you navigate the Transcend Human ecosystem. You'll also find links to our social media channels, And as always, if you have questions, feel free to contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here on Monday morning.